Welcome to Beyond the Shelf. I'm Scott Curry with Chef's Best. We gather to talk about the trends in marketing, retail, and production in food and beverage that are shaping the industry. Joining us today is one of the foremost specialists in private brands, Christopher Durham. Christopher is president of the Retail Brands Institute, a global professional member organization focused on retailers and their brands across all categories and channels. He is also a founder of the Vertex Awards, which recognizes excellence in the art of private brand package design. He was president of my private brand, which I believe was the predecessor to Retail Brands Institute, and we'll talk more about that. He also was VP of Retail Brands at Theory House Agency, brand manager for Lowe's Home Improvement, and a brand manager for Food Lion, Bloom, and Bottom Dollar. Christopher, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, I think if you can, if, think if you can believe it, it was four years ago. Four years ago, that's been a long time. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was back in 2017, four years ago. It feels like 40 years, if we're honest. Uh, Well, you know, we lost two years in there, so. (laughs) (laughs) Fair to say the world has changed since then. Uh, Absolutely. Four years is way too long, so thanks for coming back on. Um, uh, You know, I'm going to throw a lot of, I think, conjecture at you today. Sure. uh, Which is great because it gives you a chance to tell me how wrong I am. Awesome. Uh, But this (laughs) seems that, you know, there just seems to be a lot swirling around with private brands. So Mm -hmm. we'll appreciate your insights on what the trends are, projections, and and just overall insights. So uh, in particular, we'll focus on food and beverage. But I think it's worth noting that you help brands well beyond uh, simply food and beverage, correct? Sure. Absolutely, we do. Right. So let's just start with the Retail Brand Institute and, and how it evolved from my uh, my private brands. Take us kind of behind your thinking. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, the story of my private brand and the Retail Brands Institute is honestly the story of really the last 10, 12 years of the internet and social media and all sorts of things. Basically, I was working for a major home improvement retailer and not happy with my job and started writing a blog, gosh, 12 years ago, 13 years ago, that became my private brand. And it just sort of evolved from there. And, uh, you know, today they're called influencers and all kinds of crazy things like that. My children laugh at me when I say that. But um, after writing a blog for 10 years and launching conferences around, around private brand and the Vertex Awards and all of that, um, we were just really built a, a following and, uh, during COVID so much had changed as we all know, uh, Lord knows I would have never expected most, most people to be on zoom or, or having their groceries delivered or anything else that, uh, we as a company sat down and said, I think it's time to rethink what we're doing. And honestly, private brand has changed so much in the last 10 years I don't even know that private brand is the right words anymore. So we blew it all up and kind of started over and said, we want to be a member organization. We want to be global. We want to uh, talk to all categories, all channels, and we want to push retailers and their brand management people and the manufacturers making the products and the chefs making the recipes and the whole nine yards to just think about private brand in a different way. So, Uh, We launched the Retail Brands Institute in September at our Innovation Summit, and it's been uh, all uphill from there. It's been been pretty exciting. We've got close to 500 members right now, and uh, we're uh, looking at 2022 as a big year. 
Awesome. And I know a lot of those 500 members are, are some very influential folks. But, you know, if you, if you don't mind just sharing with our listeners, tell them a little bit about your membership, uh, you know, the different levels that you have and, you know, what, what some of those benefits are. What, what can someone expect from a membership? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, we kind of, as we were looking at reinventing the business, we looked across the industry, you know, 30 years ago, really the only way to connect and, and do things was with a trade association or at a conference or a trade show. Well, today, those things still exist and they have value, of course, um, but there's a million other ways to connect, right? So we can do it on, on a podcast, we can do it on LinkedIn, we can do it on Facebook, we can do it on TikTok, God only knows. So we kind of said, where's that place in the middle where we can take the best of that in-person world and the best of the social media world and find a place where we can create a community that gets together and talks and debates and, and does everything um, that's potential uh, with technology today. So really that's what we're built off of. Um, we relaunched a brand new website that's got the full social media back, back end on it. So you can go on there and have a conversation just like you would on LinkedIn. And then for 2022, we'll launch, we'll relaunch all of our events, hopefully COVID willing. Um, with uh, Velocity and our, our uh, premier conference, probably a conference in Europe, assuming everyone can travel, the Vertex Awards and so on. And really, in looking at those two sides of the business, right, this kind of social media software side and the trade association side, we said there's also an opportunity to build out different pricing models and business models. So uh, if you come to the site today, retailbrandsinstitute.org, um, you can join uh, as a basic member, it's free, just like it would be on LinkedIn. You can come in, you can read the news, you can talk to people in a basic way um, and really interact. Then as you're ready to take that next step, we have a plus and a pro model um, that really at 995 and 1995 allows you to step up in the way you're engaging with the community and discounts on events and sponsorships. Uh, you get to participate in research. You get to... Uh, be a part of some of the education programs we'll launch next year with Cornell University. So there's a lot of opportunity to really grow your business with what we're doing. Awesome. Yeah, you mentioned two events, so we'll talk about them a little bit more. Come one, uh, depending on when you're listening, it might be occurring right now. <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, we're recording in, in mid-November and in December Eight to nine, you have the 2021 Sustainability Summit. Yep. Uh, you have, you know, amazing speakers there from Walmart, BJ's, Giant Eagle, Wakefern, Tesco. Yeah. Uh, definitely worth it. And then, of course, looking ahead, sounds like you're going to try and do it in person. I think everyone would welcome that back. Yeah, that's the, that's the plan. So it'll be, I mean, we've already committed to um, May in, in Charlotte, North Carolina at the Charlotte Convention Center. The convention center is actually connected to the NASCAR Hall of Fame. So we'll actually do a cocktail party surrounded by uh, the vintage automobiles and all of that and the race car drivers. And it'll be super fun. So we're very excited about being able to get out there and uh, get the community together in person again. Awesome. I think everyone is. And thanks for bringing everyone together. Uh, so let, let, let's go. You mentioned COVID. You know, it's it's policy that we have to talk about it, right? Sure. Absolutely. But let, um, <laughs> let, let's go back first to COVID. Uh, it's, of course, still going, not to minimize it, but um, in the impact that it had on private brands. Uh, it, it, it you know you had the you had different stages right you had mm -hmm. the clearing out of shelves uh you had people perhaps 
pinching dollars, the uncertainty around what was happening economically at, at every level you could think of. But um, what were some of the immediate impacts that you saw that occurred during COVID? Why don't you answer that and then we'll go from there about what some of the lasting impact, impacts might have been. Sure. I mean, so so most immediately, I mean, it was really the same across all brands. It really didn't, it doesn't matter who owned it, but most immediately it was that kind of, you know, out of stock mentality that happened very quickly. And we, we've built a, a distribution culture of just-in-time manufacturing and distribution. So there's not a lot of, you know, extra stock sitting out there if, if retailers haven't ordered it. So there was obviously very early those shortages as you talked about. Now, what we saw from that is forced trial. So even if you weren't inclined to be a private brand shopper, you may have been forced to do it because that's the only thing that was on the shelf. And out of some of that forced trial, um, and we're still watching the numbers and seeing where it happens, but you're starting to see some of those those trials turn into you know actual shoppers and customers of the brand because they tasted it, they touched it, and they went, oh, this is pretty good. I'll buy it again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they may not have been. That being said, the reality of private brand is everybody buys it, whether they tell you or not. And and they all buy it, even if they don't know that's what it is, right? So when you get some of these brands like Simple Truth at Kroger, a lot of people just don't even realize it's a Kroger brand. And they just go, hey, this is a pretty good brand. I like it. And, and part of that is just the step up in private brand branding. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I think you know, there was a at least I remember, uh, let's call it a decade ago, you know, it was obvious what a private brand was. Yeah, it, it, you, could, you could argue that part of their brand was to not look like a brand. Therefore, there was minimal effort put into the packaging and, mm-hmm. and just a, a blandness to it. Um, it. It seems now, I don't know, uh, are we in a heyday for private brands? Uh, you know, I don't know if we're in a heyday yet, but I think probably the next two years after COVID will be. Hmm. Uh, I think it's just a really hot time. And really, you know, that is what was sort of the impetus for the shift from my private brand to Retail Brands Institute. We don't even believe the word the words private brand should be used anymore. Yeah, we're not going to magically change everybody's ver- vernacular. And obviously, you still have to worry about wh- what people search on Google. So, you know, it is a thing. But there's a very clear line across, you know, generic from the early seventies that was white and black and really bad. And, you know, honestly, I don't even remember it. I'm, I'm not old enough to, to remember that. And you probably aren't either. And then to private label, that's kind of what you're talking about. And it was, you know, lower designs, maybe national brand equivalent, if you were lucky to private brand, which is kind of that era that we've been in for a long time. They were there. It's better products, better design. So we really think that next phase is just for his, for them to just call them retail brands. So they're, they're brands that retailers happen to own and they manage them in the same way. So it's, it's a, it's a mentality shift, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're just, they're just brands at this point, especially yeah. when you have a lot of these major retailers, they have different, uh, you know, levels, different price yeah. points of, of brands. They're segmenting the market just like any smart brand in any industry would do. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it's, uh, I think, you know, Walmart doesn't actually report what great value is in sales, but it's easily 20 plus billion dollars in sales. You know, name another brand that big. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a good point. But yeah, it, it it's itself is its own public company that it, would, it would be, be valued yeah. pretty high. That's right. <laughs> Um, you know, so packaging, obviously branding, how they reach customers has mm-hmm. changed. Uh, has quality changed along with that? Well, what you're seeing is because 
retailers can literally source anything from anywhere in the world at any quality at any price point the private brand portfolio really is trying to solve for a lot of things so if you just need a cheap down and dirty paper towel for 79 cents or you know cookies or or whatever then they're absolutely providing it if on the other end you want a really premium product right you want fine chocolates you want artisanally made italian pasta you know, they can also provide that. Mm. So you're just seeing a customer walk in and go, gosh, they're filling all of my needs. And it's no longer just this, here's the cheap stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and how are national brands feeling about private brands? There, uh, must, be, you know, there must be some awkward conversations going on between national brand managers and retail buyers. Oh, of course there is. There, and there always has been. Yeah, I mean, there always has been. And it's... You know, it's weird. The, the whole dichotomy between between national brands and, and, and retail brands is a bit of a manufactured thing. You know, they want you to think they, they own the ability to be a brand. And the reality is anybody can own a brand and most, most customers don't know who owns it and they don't care. Um, what has really happened, you know, really over the last five years is you see these DTC challenger brands come in really, you know, finding those spots where I can sell razor blades cheaper or diapers more you know, sustainably or what have you. And you have private brands growing. So between the two of them, they're squeezing those traditional national brands. Right. And combine that with this sort of Gen Z younger millennial factor of, they just don't care about some of those brands in the same way. You know, it's not that they don't like brands. They still love brands. They're just buying different brands. They, they don't care about the, the brand their grandma used. Right, right. So, yeah. you know, there it the the conversation really is you have to earn your place at shelf whether it's digitally or in person and you have to be relevant, you have to make money and you have to give consumers a reason to care. Otherwise, just because it says Tide or Coke doesn't mean you're going to get a spot. Doesn't mean the same as as it did as you said just cuz mm -hmm. you know, your grandma had had it doesn't doesn't mean that it equals loyalty right, uh, right away. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the operating models where some of the footprints are entirely, or I don't know, maybe at least 95% uh, private brands. I'm thinking about Trader Joe's, Aldi, yeah. and the like. Um, do you see others emerging? Uh, what do those stores offer that makes them so popular? Well, I so, saw Trader Joe's and their cousin Aldi, right? They're both owned, owned by the same company. Uh, and Lidl as well, you know, not a, not same owners, but it's a very very similar model. Um, they're just really good at being good at what they do. So smaller footprint, committed to quality, committed to great price. And if you get it, you really get it, and you go in and you shop and you, and you like them. Um, on the other side of the spectrum, you also have people like IKEA. So outside of food, IKEA, hundred percent IKEA brand. <laughs> Nobody walks in and goes, oh, I wish there was some other brand in there. It's like, yeah. So what do we see? We see as people are starting either D2C businesses or even bricks and mortar, I don't know that they're looking out there saying, I need to add national brands. I think they're looking out there saying, I want to build my own. You know, so we're really excited about what the future holds. We're excited about that couple in Colorado who's starting a new retailer whether it be online or, or in person or some combination of the two, reinventing what's happening. And they're going to include private brand in the mix. They're going to include things they own, I promise you.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you think you know smaller footprint in and in itself is a benefit, right? It, mm-hmm. it, you know, look, there are times when I have time, <laughs> not many, not often, but there are times that I have some time and, you know, I might want to explore. I might want to take my time going through the aisle. And then there's times where, look, I, I've got to get the maximum amount of food back to my house in the yeah, 30 minutes that absolutely. I have. Uh, you know, the, there's comfort in going to an Aldi's, a Trader Joe's. I, I just instinctively know I can get it in and out of there. Everything's in the same location all the time. Right. Uh, and there's, there's, as you kind of said, there's, there's stability to their product mix. You know, they're, they're always going to have it. They're, they're, if you're contingent on uh, national brands, you know, for one reason or the other, it may not exist again, but there are things at, at, at Trader Joe's, Aldi that, you know, it's, it's there, then it, that quality hasn't changed and it's going to be there. And I, I think that there's some comfort in that. Well, and I think it's just because we, you know, we shop all day pretty regularly. We have one right by our house. We also will shop pretty regularly at Publix or Harris Teeter because the, you know, Aldi really doesn't have necessarily everything you want. Probably 80%, right? 85%. You might want something different. Mm-hmm. What we have discovered, however, and I think a lot of shoppers have discovered, is that the variety that exists in mid-tier major supermarkets and some of the categories is just unnecessary, right? So I don't really need 45 brands of spaghetti sauce, mm-hmm. right? I can't tell you what the difference is between any of them. Most of the brands I don't recognize so unless I just it's on sale or I feel like trying something, it's just dust collecting on a shelf to me. There's a lot of truth to that, you know. I remember I'll, I'll leave the the names out of it, but there was something I needed to get. It was kind of in the spice category, and there are like nine different options of a product that I had never bought. And I'm just going, I, I, do I need this? Do I need this this much choice right now? I mean, this is a rare <laughs> thing that I was buying. <laughs> I ended up uh, a little bit a little bit kind of paralyzed by it. Well, but what you quickly figure out is the Aldi's and the Trader Joe's save cost for you because they're not losing that waste. Right. Right. All that stuff doesn't sell. It never does. Yeah. So yeah. 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 I was wondering I that. I was wondering that. And uh, it was, I remember seeing right next to what I needed. It was, oh, it was some certain spice for having crab. And I remember looking at it and saying, I wonder how they project how many units of that they're going to need. It's hard. <laughs> you know, I mean, most of these major groceries have 20 years worth of history on stuff, so they can they can get, you know, but the, the challenge is you always end up with fads that, that pop up, and you just never know. It's like you know, during COVID, all of a sudden baking was a thing, right? Nobody had all the yeast they needed. We were out of stock in yeast nationwide for like three weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, they, could, they couldn't see that coming. Yeah, I mean, we baked more cookies in our house in one month than I think we had in in years. You just had time and needed, needed activities with the kids and stuff. I mean, it's, you know, it's happened in other things. So if you follow TikTok at all, there was a trend in uh, Dalgana coffee, which is this thing that you use instant coffee for and you put sugar and you whip it and it makes this frothy foamy thing. And if you've never, you should look it up, but it's, and it's kind of cool, but nobody could have seen 13 year olds all of a sudden want to, wanting to buy instant coffee. I get you. You mentioned marketing, have marketing budgets expanded for private 
Oh yeah, Exp exponentially. Yeah. I mean, so well, there's two things. The number one thing you have to understand about marketing budgets is the way marketing budgets were created by the PNGs and the Unilevers and the Kellogg's of the world assume they do not have guaranteed shelf space. So they automatically have to spend more. So no retailer will ever spend as much or need to spend as much as one of those guys because they can guarantee it, it's on the shelf, right? So then it becomes, how do we help you discover these products, right? So they all they always start in store first or on, or on their own properties first online. And they, you know, they're, they're using what doesn't cost them much to begin with. It's always where they start. Now, what we've seen is... I don't even know that the budgets have increased exponentially so much as they have a lot better options. So certainly there's more TV out there than there used to be. You see Kroger and Publix and Target all featuring private brands on a lot of things. Um, but they've all gotten good at social media. And so you go, you can follow any of those guys on Instagram now, and, and they're showing recipes for their private brand every day. Yeah. They're doing TikTok dances. They're they're doing Walmart did a big shoppable fashion show on Instagram. Yeah. With all private brands. Basically they're giving out they're bringing in influencers saying, here's a hundred bucks, go shop at Walmart. We'll do a fashion show, then the stuff will be shoppable on Instagram. Super cool. You almost never would have thought it would have happened, but you know, when they when they Well, I mean those tools just never existed, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> You know, they can create content rather cheaply, distribute it rather cheaply. And I would, I would, you know, guess it still has, it's, it still fits the business model. I have to think in part a reason why private brands can be, uh, you know, lesser cost, lesser yeah. price to the consumer is because Absolutely. they don't, you don't have to pitch it in with a, a large marketing campaign, yeah. as you That's said, exactly that the right. shelf space yeah. is guaranteed. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, so what do you think? What do you, what's the future for private brands? Um, the retailers are obviously probably a bit addicted to the margins, right? Some of these are public companies, uh, so they, they have to maintain that. Oh, well, of course they're addicted to the margins, but I, I think here's the thing. The future for private brands, retail brands, as we now call them, is really to have a portfolio strategy that understands that the brands can do different things. Right. It's the yes, they can be a strictly margin play. They can be a strictly differentiation play. I mean, you see when when Aldi launches its um, advent calendars, people line up outside the door to go to go get those advent calendars. Right. It's people want it. So it's no longer about private brand can only do one thing. It's uh, how many ways can we use private brands to either achieve our business goals or our consumer goals? such that it's and just like PNG is managing this giant portfolio that's really elaborate. This is the same thing Kroger and Publix and Albertsons are all doing the same thing. So the future is they can build anything they want at any price point they want and speak to their consumers in a, in a way that only a, a retailer can do. Now, what becomes really, truly exciting is that there's nothing stopping them from, from really, really creating solutions. So, you know, it gets past that, hey, I made fake Cheerios to, hey, mom, how can I help you with your life? How can I help feed your kids before soccer practice or throw a party or, you know, make their lives easier? Mm -hmm. um, before I let you go, I want to ask you a little bit. You recently partnered with Cornell University. 
uh, yeah. to offer some executive education. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell us, tell us what you're doing there. Yeah, there's not a lot to say about that quite yet. We're still working through the partnership on that. But uh, in early 2022, we'll announce all of the details on that. But we're super excited. What we believe is Cornell, obviously world-class education institution, has the ability. Actually, they already have most of the classes that are needed to, to really create certificates that speak directly to private brand executives, whether they're at the retailers or the manufacturers or whoever. Um what we're going to be able to do is actually work with the executives on our board from retailers and manufacturers and so forth to say, what are the skill sets that are unique to you that we can then pair up with classes from, from Cornell to custom build these certificates to help, you know, that manager, that director who's coming in really succeed uh, at their job and take private brain to the next level. Awesome. Um, so let's talk about, again, remind folks how they can find and connect you with you. You're at retailbrandsinstitute.org. Yep, retailbrandsinstitute.org. Um, we've got a free, uh, I can't get it out, sustainability summit coming up December 8th and 9th. Um, that's online still. We committed all, all online for this year. And then look for Velocity to return in 2022 in May. So it'll be here in Charlotte, North Carolina. So we're super excited about it. Awesome. And so I encourage people to, to, uh, you know, visit the site. You can connect on LinkedIn as well. Mm-hmm. You are the authority on news. So whether Seven Eleven just announced something or, yeah. you know, Treehouse, Kroger, you name it. Um, and of course I want to stress it's, it's not just food and beverage. Well, that's our primary interest here. Um, and then you have RBI talks as well. Yeah, so we do very similar, very similar to your podcast. Ours are videos, but we do uh, video podcast kind of things every week. I do an interview with somebody. Um, so I've done, it'll be 52 this year. Uh, and it's everybody from the VP of Whole Foods to, um, you know, the VP of one of the manufacturers or, or you name it. I've got a couple of uh, pretty prominent authors coming up pretty soon that have been writing about brands. So we're, we're excited. Awesome. Well, you know, private brands, it's grown over the years. Uh, one has to think you've at least played some role in that, um, you know, bringing the community together, uh, advocating, uh, you know, for, for the brands themselves, uh, providing news so that uh, people can stay up to date. And, and now you're moving, you know, even you've always been an educator. I know, I know that uh, was always one of your goals, probably all the way back to when you started your blog. But you know, moving into specific education as well, I'm sure is only going to lift the entire private brand industry. Um, we appreciate you coming on and, and sharing uh, your thoughts and congratulations on, let's call it a relaunch, relaunch yeah, of, uh, sure. of, of your, what's clearly not just uh, your passion, but, but your, you know, your life as well. So congratulations on that. And I really encourage folks. Uh, I know a couple of people here from Chef's Best is, have uh, attended I don't know what year now it was before COVID. That's about all I can <laughs> no, say. Chef's uh, has been big supporters over the years, yeah. So, I mean, we're excited. And honestly, I, they're already committed to, to uh, exhibiting at the uh, the uh, Velocity Conference in May. So it'll, we'll, we will continue to work together. Yeah, I know you're putting it together, but any sneak peeks at who might be there speaking? Uh, you know what? It's still a little early. I think if we can get through, uh, the challenge is still people are, are still iffy about travel. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, the certainty will, will be that it will be fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I believe by May it'll be great and we'll, we'll, 
all be able to have a drink together and uh, talk about business. Fingers crossed. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us again, Christopher. Um, Again, the authority on everything going on in the private industry, retailbrands.org. If you're not following and you're not a member, one has to wonder why not. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks a lot, Christopher. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us on Beyond the Shelf, presented by Chef's Best. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening to episodes. 